Good morning. Welcome to Redwood Christian Church. That's who we are. Uh, it is an exciting day. If you're not aware, I know Lisa, I lost track. There's Lisa. She is from Upward Christian Church, which is our sister church, OCEF plant in Medford, Oregon. And not to embarrass them too much, but right over here we have three of our varsity football players and my son's over here too. He got a, he got a complimentary uh, from Hidden Valley High School football, um, the best high school in Grants Pass. So yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. So we are excited because they are here today to help and we are here to celebrate the fact that our Christmas gift went off amazing this year. Amen. We got $3,000 was raised for Upward Christian Church in Medford, Oregon to help with their operational costs, and $4,000 going to Hidden Valley High School football to help with their costs. So, and we do this because as kingdom citizens, we see the importance of showing the world around us externally how much Jesus cares and loves them. Uh, one of the questions, if you were to be, if you're an old an old head from around here, and you went through the 101 class that we taught back in the day, there's a question at the beginning of 101 here that says, what is your view of the kingdom of God? There's always two kind of answers to this, right? And, you, and I was going to, if I was better with technology, I would have uh, thrown up some of the memes that you see, you know, some people say we're a cruise ship, and other people say we're a battleship, right? And all the dudes are like, Yes battleship. That's what I'm talking about. The question that's actually on there is, is, do you view the kingdom of God, the church, the bride, all the terminologies we use kind of for this, as a fortress, right? Something with walls, something that's hard to penetrate, to break down, or these things? Or do you view the kingdom of God, the church, the bride, as an army, and as we, as we look at, at what this is, if we've gone through this, this whole series for the last several weeks on what it meant to be a kingdom citizen, a sermon that Peter preached in the book of Acts that changed, what, 3,000 people, 3,000 souls became followers of Christ that day. And then in Acts chapter 6 and 7, we preached through Stephen's sermon, which led to him being killed, right? And nobody was changed on that day. And then we talked last week that it's a kingdom that's built on a foundation of love. And that word love is so flippantly used all the time. And it's this, they, they kind of use it in the sense of emotion and they use it in the sense of like, oh, it makes me feel good. You know, a joke about those of you guys who like old Disney movies, the word Twitter-pated, right? And start tapping your foot and being like little thumper there and Bambi. And or... The word love actually comes from a Greek word, agape, which actually is not emotional. But this foundation of love, the word agape, you might hear me say it's benevolent, it's love that, that would die for somebody else, but not just die for your friend, your teammate, the person you hang out with the most, but you would actually die for somebody on the opposing team, right? That you would die for somebody who hates you, who dislikes you, who whatever, and then it was interesting in talking with my uncle just the other day, he pointed out too that the word agape means a love that acts first. So you put all those things together and then you look at agape, this love that the church is built upon, the bride of Christ, this army that we are, right? And we're built upon a love that acts first. 
It means it's, I mean, the word agape can be used as what we would call quid pro quo, right? This for that. Tick for tack, right? But the way that Jesus had actually invented, so I don't know if you're aware of this, but the word for love invented an entire new word in ancient language. That it meant a love that acts on the benevolence of others first. A sacrificial love. And so we look through all these things that we've talked about over the last couple of years, and we get to this question, what is the kingdom of God, a fortress or an army? And for me, I'm gonna go, I was going to originally go through Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about the spiritual armor that we put on, and all of us guys are like, yeah, I want a sword. Anybody want a sword in here? A shield and a sword and a helmet and a breastplate, and I want to go to war. I ain't coaching football. Like I, there's so many times that these guys don't even understand when you, when you leave high school, and even in my 40s, I'm like, I would like to put on pads one more time. <laughs> even at practice, I'm like, I want to get out there. And there's this, this part of us that we, we tend to, when we get hurt, we start to internalize, right? Pain has that ability to make us start focusing on ourselves and protecting ourselves and not adventuring enough, not, not venturing to try and risk and, and to work hard and do those, let's just focus on what I have and protect what I have. Amen? That happens a lot. But what is the kingdom of God? It's an army. I love that the Bible even says, the gates of hell will not overtake it. I don't know about you, but if gates ever attacked anybody, it's really, it's really fascinating that it says the gates of hell shall not, really the terminology should be, the gates of hell shall not be able to withstand the advance of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And what is that? Right? Is that not the mission that we've been set upon as the bride of Christ? What is that mission? We talked about it before. I didn't put it up here on there, so that's my fault. Sorry, Jim. But is it not to go, therefore, unto all the earth? Not just here in Grants Pass or Josephine County or the greater southern Oregon area or Oregon or, or America or wherever it is? Is it not to go therefore into all the earth, right? Creating disciples, which means to bring people into conversion, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then what? Teaching them to obey, which the NIV, I actually love that the NIV uses that word obey. Other translations of the Bible use the word observe which in today's context kind of loses some meaning, right? Observe, watch from afar, obey, go do. Obey all that I have commanded you. And then it comes with the promise that Jesus will be with us to the ends of the earth. That's the mission. Brothers and sisters, there's no other mission. We have a singular purpose as the church, which is to be an advancing army to seek and save. Right? To reclaim territory that's lost. It means, as we've talked about before, that we become ambassadors, emissaries, which means that you have to be in foreign lands. The joke that I would make here is, it's like, again, uh, there might be a few football references here today, but it's like one of my favorite games last year, we went and played Cottage Grove. It was cold, right guys? That was a cold game. We walloped Cottage Grove. There is no better feeling than going into somebody else's stadium, somebody else's field, and taking victory, right? 
That's a good feeling, especially in the last game of the season for us. And that's what we are to do. That's what our mission is. As we are here, we're not residents of this land as Christians, right? We belong to a kingdom that has not yet come, that's in the process. And we're, while we're here, we are to reclaim territory. Yet over the years, churches lose focus. Last week I said when we lose sight of the mission, love is the first thing that dies. Even Paul, in writing this letter to the Philippians, and, and it, it, most of us are familiar with this text, right? We see it on the side of Steph Curry's shoes or something like that. But I think it has a greater meaning than what we usually see. And all, all of this effort when I'm talking about being battle ready is battle ready has to have endurance with it. And so when we read this, it says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, it says, not that I am speaking of being in need. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Philippi. For I have learned, and it's important to pay attention to the text, right? I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12 says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, right? There's a lot of context that comes to where a lot of people just go Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That I can face all the situations that are going. I can be blessed beyond measure. I can be in hunger, right? To those nths of those degrees, right? That's a big swath to cut as they might say. And Paul's saying that I know wherever I'm, I'm hungry or wherever I'm full, whether I am blessed in wealth or I'm in poverty, whether I'm here or there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We say him and then we emphasize Christ, right? But what is Paul talking about? And we consider the track of Paul's life. And I like to do this exercise. I want to move backwards a little bit into chapter 3. Because guess what? One thing that is true, whether we're talking about sports or life or anything like that, life is hard. Amen? Life will kick you down. Things will keep you pressed. You can go through having great times of opportunity where you've had lots of wealth and you might have nothing. Amen? And we get to this point that what is Paul talking about? For is not sometimes a good analogy, life kind of in a battle? Right? Life can be a battle. What we face, the things we go through, the church, the, the life of this church starting all the way back in 1977 has Redwood Christian Church experienced ups and downs. Has Grants Pass experienced ups and downs? Right? Football teams, cities, people, families, they all experience ups and downs. And Paul comes through this back in verse uh, chapter 3. I think I misput it up here and said it's chapter 4, uh, but it's actually chapter 3, verse 12. And I also noticed there might be a couple misspellings, so showing you that I'm not perfect by any means. But in verse 12 of chapter 3, it says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Thank you, the Apostle Paul, for reminding us that you were not perfect either. But I press on to make it my own 
Paul's talking about all of that he's facing in Philippi. Philippi is a fascinating place. Philippi is where he's thrown into jail, right? Philippi is where he meets a woman of affluence named Lydia and converts her, convinced then, converts then later the Philippian jailer, brings them both to the, to the Lord. They both become baptized. They're in their whole families, and they start following Christ. But Philippi also had lots of problems, like Corinth, like we talked about last week. These ancient cities, they were not absent to problem. They lived in much of the same problems that we live in. But he's going through all of this, and he says that he presses on to make it my own. Paul is exampling some kind of extreme ownership in the things that he's actually going through. He makes it his own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Now, this is fascinating because how many of us live in the past? A lot of us live in the past of what happened. Even here at the church, right? There's a lot of things that happened in the past. And we sometimes will let those things exist in our mind. Things in your families, things with your kids, things at school, whatever it is. Things happen in the past, but the Apostle Paul comes. He says, I'm making it all my own except for this, and I want to do this, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, right, and straining forward to what lies ahead. And you consider what the Apostle Paul went through and the things that he's forgetting. You take a quick glance at the book of Acts, right, you get a good snapshot of the things Paul experiences. One of those is he, there's a little town, Lystra, right? Early on in Paul's missionary journeys, right? When he's going and he's starting to bring Jesus, the news of Jesus Christ to all these other people. He goes into Lystra. He goes again right into the Jewish synagogue, right? The Jewish center of worship that's in Lystra. He's preaching to them. And then all of a sudden, they're not really happy with him, right? They drag Paul out and they stone him and leave him for dead just outside of the city walls. What does Paul do? If you're familiar with the story, he gets up he brushes off his cloak, right, and he leaves. No. We might. I don't know what I would do if I got stoned and left for dead. Some brothers get around me, pray, and then I revive somehow or get back to my, where I'm at. I get up and the first thing is, you know what I want to go do? I want to go back into that town where I just got beat up and, and tell them again. Paul forgets what had happened. He gets up dusts himself off, goes back into Lystra, and a huge amount of people in Lystra become followers of Christ. So again, seeing what we see, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul is a man on a mission. And he will not allow the things of the past, and you consider what that was for Paul, right? When he was the person named Saul, who was persecuting Christians. I mean, if you haven't read through the, the book, we kind of covered some of that last week, but Paul becomes this, this transfer, transformed individual, somebody who hates Christianity, is opposed to the bride of Christ, and becomes part of the bride of Christ so much so that people want to kill him now for being part of the church. Massive transformation. And he says he, he doesn't want to think about the past. He just wants to strive toward the goal. And what does he say in verse 14? I press onward. 
I press on, rather, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it's an amazing mo- movement that we're, we should feel. It's, it's, again, anything you do in life, whether you're working out or you're trying to work on your marriage or these things, you're trying to learn plays. Like, if, again, in football, I told you there's going to be a lot of them, guys. Just, just. But you start off somewhere, right? And as the season moves along, as life moves along, as your family, if you are centering on Christ, your movement forward forgets the past and continues towards the goal. There's a prize at the end of it. And even in verse 15, he says, let those of us who are mature or more complete, those more along the path, who are mature, think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise... So if you think anything outside of what the mission of the church is, what the mission of Paul is, which should, by the way, be our mission, right? God will reveal it also to you. Paul's not even trying to be argumentative here. He said, I know my purpose. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go out and accomplish the mission that Jesus has given me, right? And I'm not going to worry about the past, I'm not going to worry about what happened. He's going to have a next game up mentality. He's going to have a next part mentality. And I'm going to strive forward to the upward call, the upward mission, the upward call of God. That I'm not satisfied with this right here. That I want what's beyond the veil. And even that, to the level that Paul gets to this point, he goes through all of these things. And if, you, if you're familiar with Paul, where does he end up but on the chopping block of Emperor Nero? He loses his head for Christ. And yet Paul is still accomplishing this goal. I love that he continues to point to, to this in the book of Acts. Luke records this in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 23. He says, And now, verse 22, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, right? Constrained, motivated, moved by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. It had already been prophesied that Paul would be arrested. Somebody had already came alongside Paul and said, I know what's going to happen to you in Jerusalem. You're going to get arrested. You're going to get hurt. It's going to be rough. Not knowing what will happen. Somebody told me what will happen, but not knowing what will happen, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. I'm not sure how that's going to look, but I know that this is going to happen. And verse 24 really puts us into perspective what Paul's mission is, this endurance that he has. But he says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, right? If only I may finish my course. Paul says, I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next year. And if you're familiar with the story, Paul is in prison for quite a while. Through political changes and different things, it all exists around him, and it takes years for him to go see Nero, right? Not Nero, sorry. To go see Caesar. I forget which Caesar that was at this moment. doesn't really matter. Paul just has a great perspective on endurance. 
I don't know what it's going to look like. But as for me, my life is really worth nothing if I don't, what he says here, that I may only finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, which is to what? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That his entire purpose, his entire mission was to testify, which, by the way, is not an internally focused thing. You can't internally testify. Somebody says, speak to yourself, speak truth into your own life. What a joke. You have to decide to do something. You can't just declare it to be true without action. That's ridiculous. That's like saying, I'm going to win this next game, but then not ever efforting to win. Right? Like playing Madden, the video game, and putting on rookie mode. Say, look how good I was. Which some of you might not get. Whatever. (laughs) It's the only way I'm good at that game. But to Paul, it was to press onward towards the high call that was on his life, which was to testify to others about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. Flash forward a little bit in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4, Paul says this. In this effort, it takes endurance to finish, right? You don't just get a waltz across the finish line in anything. It takes endurance. Paul says this in verse 8 of chapter 4. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence in anything, right? If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received, and heard, and seen in me. Now, Paul's pointing to his own life, which I hope that one day in my life that I can easily just point to my life and say, and it's not about boasting, it's not about pride or arrogance or something like that, right, that we don't want in our life so much. But Paul has reached a level in his life, in his effort for the cross, the mission, to reach the lost, in all the places that he went, and you can go through the book of Acts and in the rest of the letters that he wrote, and look at all the different places that Paul went all through the Roman Empire and all the churches that Paul helped start and everything that he experienced, right? And he comes down to this point, whatever you see in me, right? And we can emphasize that, but say, whatever you see in me that's godly, whatever you see that's in me that's right, that, that is definitely produced because of what Jesus Christ has done in me, practice, do these things, And then he writes that all down for us. Isn't that cool? Not not quite 2,000 years has passed. And the words that Paul writes to the church in Philippi, or the church in Corinth, or the church in Ephesus, and all these ancient towns that we read about, not only did Paul write those for those people, but he also wrote it for us to read today. That whatever we see exemplified in Paul's life that is godly, that is of Christ, that is what is the product of what Christ has done in him, practice those things, right? To have endurance, to do, I mean, none of us have been stoned and left for dead outside of a city, right? I mean, maybe you have, I don't know. Maybe we've been chased onto a bus or been yelled at and things like that. We've experienced some kind of pressure before, but none of us have probably been left to that level. And so is there more that we can endure? 
Uh, one of my favorite guys out there on the internet is named Jocko Willenick, and, and he wrote the book Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership, whatever. But one of the things I, I really like is he has this, this video segment called Good. And I could have put it up here, and it, and it really emphasizes this endurance. Good. You didn't get the contract, you got beat, this happened, good. Because as long as there's breath in your lungs, you can move on. You can press on. You can do more. And we need to encourage ourselves and be challenged by what we read in Scripture, more importantly, to continue to press on. Brothers and sisters, are there still people in Josephine County who do not have the love of Christ covering their life? So can we push on? Can we press on towards the goal of Christ and what it is that he's calling in us to the level that it might even mean our own life? That we can push on to a level that when we approach the veil of life like we just did for Stella yesterday, that she got to walk through that veil and see Jesus Christ with her own eyes. And then Jesus can say to Stella, well done, my good and faithful servant. Is that not the greatest goal that we can have in life? It, it means something to be part of something greater than you, doesn't it? it? It means something. Something changes because of what was done to us in this water back here. That our lives become different to a level that we now live for something greater than who we are, that gives us the strength to endure, to, to press on, to see a higher goal in life that's better than just your normal Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and the barbecue on Saturday. What's the life for if not for something great? And with all things that matter Endurance is a part of it. A battle exists in our world. And the battle is worth it, so the endurance is worth it. And Paul is saying this, all of this can go on. And again, he gets down into Philippians 4, 11 through 13, right? And he again, would we'll just read this again as we're coming kind of down to the end of this sermon. It says, not that I am speaking of being in need. Right, point to my whole life. Paul says, look at the conversion experience I had outside of Damascus, right? Walking on my way to literally have people arrested and killed, to be met by Jesus, right? To have, I'm on a track, I think my whole life is set before me, I got it all figured out, only to be met by the one person I'm trying to persecute. And Paul says, and then Jesus tells Paul, no, your life's going to change from now on. You thought you were after what God wanted. I will show you what my father wants. To be beaten and left for dead. To fall upon robbers. To be shipwrecked, bitten by a snake. To be imprisoned two or three times. Right, All of these different things happened to Paul. And he still comes down and he writes there in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can experience the best things in life and the worst things in life and I can have endurance to see it all accomplished in Christ our worship team is going to come up here in a minute and this effort that we, we push towards on this, this what we call the Christmas gift right 
and let's um, point to it. And in a minute, I'm going to have um, Lisa come up, and, and these guys going to come up here. From, and by the way, this is this is Naren, Braxton, Elijah, Elijah, sorry, and then Elijah, right? So not to get them mixed up. And and Lisa over here, by the way, too, is is Al Dietrich, who's the the senior the pastor at Upward Christian Church, and. Why do we do that? Is it really just to pat ourselves on the back? I can't reach there. <laughs> Whatever. Or is it because of something in us that motivates us to go beyond the normal call of duty? That people might, even through how we give extra, right, would know the love of Christ. Like, I, I have a desire to see every single football player at Hidden Valley High School come to know the Lord. I have a desire to see Upward Christian Church reach the lost in droves in Medford, Idaho, or Med, not Idaho, Oregon. That's where I used to be. And I will stop at nothing to let people know that there is a Savior, his name is Jesus Christ, that he died for their sins, that they might know him. Are you with me on that? That is Redwood Christian Church. This church was built as a blue-collar church of workers, of people who desire to see the lost saved, in a society, a culture, changed. This church, if you were answering that question, by the way, that I first started with, is an army that is advancing into enemy, enemy territory to reclaim souls. Let me pray. Well, actually, I'm going I'm to have these guys, and I hope you don't mind, I'm going to pray over our our guests who are here with us today. So first, as we're doing this, and uh, worship team, if you want to start getting up here and getting kind of prepped, and I know Jeff, you're going to come up. We're doing new stuff today, so we appreciate that. Um, first, we're going to have Lisa from Upward Christian Church come up here. So everybody give Lisa a, a round of applause. Lisa and Al have, Al couldn't be here, obviously, and uh, we even tried to get Natalie and Richard to come, but, you know, they were leading worship or something like that. So, um, but Lisa is Al's wife, and they have only been on site, I think, five months now. Um, but they are doing amazing things. There's exciting things happening at Upward Christian Church. They are possibly looking at a facility. And is that, is that a for sure thing yet or still kind of working through it? So we, we have a lot to pray for for Lisa, for Upward Christian Church, but they are our sister church, an OCEF church plant and supporter church like us. So Lisa, on behalf of Redwood Christian Church, uh, here's a $3,000 check for you guys. And so, so yeah, sorry, yeah, we're taking pictures too. Good? Yeah, good. So, and if you join me, I'm going to pray over uh, Lisa and pray over uh, Upward Christian Church. So, God, we are thankful that just across the county line in Jackson County, that we have a sister church, a kindred spirit in Christ, part of our tribe and our, our movement and the restoration movement, God, that supports us and we support them in prayer, God, that we both support OCEF and all the mighty work that they are doing. God, I pray that you would bless upward 
bless Al and Lisa and what they are doing over there and the lives that they are changing. I pray that this, this small gift would just be a blessing to them as they look at a new facility and all the work that you are already doing there. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, thank you. Sure, yeah. Let's. On behalf of Upper Christian Church, we just want to express our greatest appreciation and gratitude to you for this generous gift. And more, more importantly, we really appreciate your prayers. And we pray that you'll continue keeping us in your prayer as we also pray for you. Um, that we might further God's kingdom here in Southern Oregon. That's what we're here for. And thank you for preaching um, on our upwards motto, Philippians 314. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. All right. Can I get my Hidden Valley football players up here, please? This, obviously, is near and dear to my heart. You guys know that I'm an alumni of, of Hidden Valley High School, and uh, so that's this not exactly why they're our pick, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and I got this year the first chance to, to coach these guys. These guys are, uh, work with these guys, not so much these guys, they're all varsity players. And, uh, but again, we have uh, Naren Stone, Braxton, I forgot your last name, Briarty, right? <laughs> Thank you. And Elijah Zowers, whose uh, dad is the actual head coach of Hidden Valley Football. He wanted to be here today, um, but he was up at an uh, invite-only um, coaches conference. And then, of course, you guys know my son, Elijah. And so, uh, on behalf of Redwood Christian Church, we have a $4,000 check to you guys. And uh, again, we just want you guys to know how much that we here at Redwood Christian Church love you guys and uh, support you guys, and uh, yeah, Hidden Valley's in Three Rivers School District, so again, best high school in Grants Pass, so, so anyway, so, oh, it's, it's, uh, uh, thanks guys. Thanks. Uh, we just want to say thank you guys so much uh, for your love and support. Um, community goes a long way in our program, and uh, our success really, um, relies on your guys' um, support with our program. So just uh, wanted to say thank you guys so much, and uh, God bless. God is great. Yeah, all the time. All right, let me pray over you guys before you get down. So, all right, let me get in. Let me get in there. There you go. You guys get in huddles all the time. That's fine. So, God, I, uh, again, I'm just thankful, um, blown away by all that you do for us how much you love and care and concern for these, these young men and all of their brothers who couldn't be with us today. But God, I just pray that you would just uh, reside over them, uh, draw them all to you, just let them know how much you love them and you have a desire for them. God, I pray that this small gift would just uh, help them continue to grow the culture, um, the community, the brotherhood that is, existing, it is already ex existing at Hidden Valley Football. God, I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.